Good evening, everybody. Don't unfriend me. August 3rd, 8.15 p.m. Tuesday, and my pencil finally broke. The Don't Unfriend Me pencil broke. Episode 199. Yes, you are correct. That is short of 200. Wonderful to see you. Thank you for joining tonight. We have a interesting thing happening. We are live, and I'm going to try to ignore the comments. I'm not going to try to let anyone draw me away. If we get a troll in here, just ignore them, but we're going to try to do this tonight. Something new, something exciting. Tonight on Don't Unfriend Me, what are we going to go over? The one-sided coin isn't helping anyone. What does it mean? Well, there was a interesting incident that happened in Texas where a young lady, African-American lady, was stopped. There was a report that she was diving in and out of traffic. There was a report that she was nonsensical and possibly trying to commit suicide. A white officer, a young man, probably couldn't weigh anything more than a buck sixty, approached her. The problem with this is this one-sided coin, very interesting, is that the perspective that we're seeing is the cam footage from the officer. What we're not seeing, excuse me, was a cell phone. That was actually used by one of her friends. What we're not seeing is the cam footage from the officer. Multiple officers recorded. I have it for you tonight. I also have the sheriff's department statement. I am going to bring you the whole story. And when you see it, I promise you, you will have a different perspective. I don't care what color you are, whether you are white, brown, or indifferent, you will see the difference. Because it's important to tell all of the story, but this is what happens in the media of today, is you only get what's going to sell newspapers or get clicks or give you more bandwidth. Did you say, hey, Blinken? Nobody remembers uh, Robin Hood men in tights? Tights, tights. No? Okay. It's in the West Bank. It's on the East Bank. He's on the West. It's not even the mighty Mississippi. All right. Did you say, hey, Blinken? No, my name's Abe Lincoln. We're going to talk about Abraham Lincoln. Someone today said that Abraham Lincoln was a racist. And it's interesting because I have read a lot about Lincoln, but a racist? Now, he certainly wasn't the person that went out and put his arms around being an abolitionist. He made some comments and some statements that might make you think that he was questioning what he did. And of course, any good leader should, but but a racist? We're going to go over it tonight. Lastly, good, bad, and indifferent Nothing will ever change. There are two sides to every coin. We know that. But there's also two sides to American history. There's a kind of a reimagining of what history should look like. That there's a belief that history is whitewashed. That there's something extremely Machiavellian going on with the way that we teach our kids and something's missing. And then there is another side that history is perfect and everything that it says is accurate. We're going to go over it tonight. We're going to dive into that. And I'm going to try to explain to you what the two different sides are and why it's so divisive. But first, Lincoln grossed $275 million in the movie theaters, which is ironic since historically Lincoln doesn't do too well in theaters. from an undisclosed location. Always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax. Don't Unfriend Me starts right now. Good evening, dummies. Episode 199. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, Matthew Spear. Graphics will not be in this one, but right over here, this will pop up. It's wonderful to have you here. It's a wonderful day. We are live for the first time doing the show live. And let me tell you, it feels a little odd. It's hard for me. I see the comments over here and I want to drag and drop them in. We'll see if we have a pause that I might do that. But this is a fun thing. We're going to see if it works. And if it doesn't, we'll never do it again. What do we do here on Don't Unfriend Me? It's pretty simple. We talk about current events, sports, things to that effect. I want to get your blood up. I want want to have you think. I want to have you challenge. And I want you to ask yourself questions that sometimes we don't want answers to. But either way, we may agree, we may disagree, you may love me or you may hate me. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. I got to get a t-shirt made of that. I think it would sell fairly well. You can find me on Don't Unfriend Me. You're maybe watching on Facebook Live right now, but you might be listening to a podcast or Instagram or YouTube. I'm on all of them. You can find me on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, and everywhere else. 
Alex just said, stumbled upon your show. You're 100% on point, prior service and first responder here. And I, for one, got your six on this. Brother, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. I'm not going to do that all show. Please hold them to the end so we can have a great conversation. Let's get to it. We have got a lot to cover tonight. Before we do that, and the last thing I will tell you, if you are not a social media fan and you don't want to like, share, and subscribe right over here on YouTube or Facebook, you can go to my website on don'tunfriendme.com. There it has my blog, my videos, and pretty much everything and where I live, eat, and sleep. So all you got to do is stop by, say hello, and let me know how we're doing. First and foremost, the one-sided coin isn't helping anyone. A Texas sheriff's office opened an investigation after a video posted to social media showed a deputy pinning an 18-year-old to the ground and then arresting her mother. The deputy was placed on administrative leave pending an internal affairs investigation into the Tuesday incident, which is a standard protocol. The Kaufman County Sheriff's Office said in a press release, the Facebook video shows Kaufman County Deputy Martin pinning the teen who is black on the ground. She is on her back and is crying. Her mother asked the deputy to get off of her, and the video shows the following. It says, you can get up. You don't have to do her like this, the woman says as she grabs her daughter's hands to console her. The deputy says he cannot get up because the teen had attempted suicide. A second deputy arrives and turns her over onto her stomach so she can be placed in handcuffs. The situation escalates as the deputies help the teen stand and begin walking her toward a sheriff's vehicle. The video shows the mother accusing Deputy Martin of failing to record the incident and asking the deputies to loosen the handcuffs. Deputy Martin is seen in the video taking the mother to the ground and arresting her. But this is the narrative. A lot of this seems to be against Deputy Martin. But when you listen to the police statement and watch the video, a lot of other things happened. But first, before we watch it, the Facebook video doesn't show what led to the mother's arrest. The sheriff's office said in its press release that the mother, Ann Tanneke, I believe is her name, Ray, pulled on her daughter's arm and Deputy Martin told her not to touch the teen after she was in custody. Ray then struck Deputy Martin, according to the sheriff's office. Ray was taken to the county jail on charges of assault on a public servant and interference with public duties. The sheriff's office said she has since been released and it's not clear if she has obtained an attorney. The teen identified by Ray as Nakia Trigg was taken to a mental health facility for evaluation. According to the authorities, the sheriff's office said the incident began with the department receiving multiple calls about a female attempting suicide and the department released audio from the 9-11 call in which a concerned woman reported the incident. Authorities said Deputy Martin responded and found the teen crying and walking barefoot down the sidewalk, which you will see in the video. You will also see the deputy grab her arm and tell her she needs to stay. Okay, she says through tears. Why, why are you hurting me? Trigg asked the deputy twice if she can call her mother and express his concern that the deputy is going to hurt her. She begins screaming and sobbing and tells the deputy he's hurting her, and Deputy Martin radios for help and twists Twig's arm behind her back in an attempt to place her in handcuffs. They both hit the ground, and the deputy's camera falls off, but continues to record. Trig is heard telling the deputy several times that he's hurting her while on the ground. She says, I can't breathe, more than 20 times. The video shows this. The sheriff's office said the deputy used a top mount maneuver, which is completely legal, to keep the teen on the ground. In no way, shape, or form was her neck, her head, or her chest pressed in. There was none of that. It was simply sitting on top of the top part of her buttocks in the middle of her back, controlling her center of gravity. I don't mean to start defending the police officer, but it's important to talk about this. The maneuver is a common technique in jiu-jitsu and allows the deputy to control the teen's lower body without impeding breathing and preventing injury to both parties. As the deputy waited for help to arrive, the teen's family encircled Deputy Martin, screaming and threatening him, authorities said, and we have it on video. Let's go ahead and take a watch, see what we think. I'm going to watch it with you. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what the police said. But this is going to show you from the perspective of this lady's family and what everyone has been seeing on the media. And then I'm going to show you the perspective of the cop, the sheriff. Then I'm going to show you the things that happened leading up to this that you never quite see. So let's get to it. Let's watch it. And uh, we will go from there. You okay? What are you crying for? 
All right, here. Here's the video. Let me close this down. Let me open this up one second. All right, so here's the video. What you're seeing right now is literally about 11 minutes before all of this took place. You're going to see the deputy. He is on top of the 18-year-old girl. You can see he is laying on top of her right now because he just got her down. She is on her back. He has her arms subdued. And his full body weight is not on top of her. Her mother is in the yellow vest along with three or four other people. Let's listen to the video. Immediately, let me explain something. That officer doesn't know if anyone has a gun. He doesn't know who has a knife. He doesn't understand anything that's going on other than he is responsible for this girl's safety at this point. Whether it looks like he's trying to save her or not is immaterial. He is restraining for her safety. He is also trying to protect the people who are over here, and he is responsible to do all of that and continue to keep her subdued. It is not an easy job, folks, and if you've ever tried to subdue subdue one human being, imagine trying to get another six or seven that are there. He is being recorded. The mother is yelling and screaming at him, and she is in a threatening posture, and she is way too close. Number one, that is the first thing I see. I also see that there's no foaming or saliva on the lady's mouth. She's not sweating. She is upset. She was just taken down. She is screaming. She is resisting. All of those things I see. I also see a pretty scared officer and girl. They're both a little terrified of what's happening right now. And obviously, the things running through his head are, am I doing this by the book? Am I doing it right? And am I executing my job? Let's go ahead and watch the rest. You see his legs are wrapped underneath her legs, therefore she cannot thrust her hips up and bounce him off. He's controlling her center. There's no pressure. His pressure are on her two spots on her inside of her, outside of her elbow in here in the crook of the arm. The reason why pushing that down stops her from raising up or flipping her hands and pushing up. This is a jujitsu move. It's a completely passive, not very painful her, hot, her spots that are going to hurt are right here in her arms because that's where his weight is going. She can breathe. She All of his weight is literally on her hips and those arms right now, and both legs are completely tied up. Please, Kaya, calm down. Kaya, calm down. Kaya, calm down. Okay, calm down. Kaya, calm down. Kaya, just calm down. Okay, just calm down. Just breathe, Kaya. Once again, foul language amongst, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. All of these things are reminiscent of what we saw with George Floyd. The reason why you can't breathe is that is the fight or flight risk. George Floyd was a little bit different. He had his neck and his chest restricted a little bit different. We understand that. The fentanyl probably had something to do with it as well and him hyperventilating and having an anxiety attack. But nonetheless, we understand that that was not the way to do things. This is not that. It's not even close to that. She can't breathe because she's hyperventilating. Her adrenaline is kicking in. Her heartbeat is 180 some odd miles an hour. She is absolutely within seconds sweating, salivating, dry cotton mouth, all the signs of adrenaline. This is why her spittle is on the side of her face. She's screaming. She's yelling. And she most assuredly can breathe. She can breathe because she's actually talking. He's not on her chest in any way, shape, or form. Yes, it's hot, but this is honestly one of the most humane, restraining-type moves you can do. He's not macing her. He's not beating her with a stick. He has not pulled his firearm. He has not done anything in any way, shape, or form. No, 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 Okay, 
Other officer comes in. He tries to stabilize it. He's a supervisor. You have another lady who is with that party who is now way too close to the officer. He is once again on her hips, hands pinned down, and she is still restraining. You notice the spittle coming down off of her mouth. At this time, she is obviously yelling. She is screaming. We understand that's what's happening. The situation is starting to at least de-escalate to a point where nobody is screaming and yelling. Once again, I, I just have one word, comply. This is not the time to litigate the case. For every one of my black, Hispanic, or white, or Chinese, Korean, I don't care, Muslim friends, if you are ever in this situation, stop fighting. You will have your day in court. This is not the time. This goes against everything in the fight or flight mechanism. You want to fight. You don't want to go to prison. You don't want to be taken and hold. You don't want your wrist bound behind your back. It's too bad. Your actions have led to this. You will have your day in court. You have video. If you would just comply, I promise you this, in most every single case, nothing else is going to happen to you. But what happens is she is resisting from the start. When you see the other video, you will understand. How can Kaya calm down when she's 18 years old? Her mother's dropping F-bombs. Record this, record this. And I hate to say it. Listen, I'm going to be honest here. There is a way to act and there's a way not to when you are being handled by the police. And the one thing you cannot do is resist. But you also shouldn't be setting yourself up for a lawsuit that doesn't deserve to happen. There is nothing here in this video. And when you see the other one, that leads me to believe that anyone has the right to sue. Now, there's an investigation going on with this. Sorry, my allergies are killing me, folks. I'm scratching my nose. There is, an out, there is a complete investigation going on about this. Now, do I understand that this is hard? Do I understand as a mother, she wants to know why her baby girl's on the ground? Yes, absolutely. Do I understand that tensions are high? Yes. Do I understand that girl could be afraid that she's going to be hurt? Yes. With everything that's in the media, with the George Floyd case, with Trevon Martin, with all of the things we've seen, yes, I understand. And let's face it, that we racially profile these neighborhoods like crazy, but this isn't one of those neighborhoods. I've been to this spot in Dallas. It's a strong and good community. The officer is doing what they think 100% they need to do for the safety of themselves and the citizens that are there, period. And if we understand that she can lose control, you must understand that the officer did not lose control in any way, shape, or form. That takes an amount of discipline. People are questioning in his training. His training was impeccable. His actions were impeccable. If you don't like what's happening... That is why police work is not for you. But this is how you apprehend somebody without killing them. He know that he didn't give a fuck. Please put that camera back on, up here on your chest. It was never on you in the first place. Why was your camera not on you? The reason why her, his camera was not on was because she tangled with him and the camera was thrown off it's battery operated there's no lead going into a tape player it's battery operated like a gopro and it sits here and it's got two buttons one to record and one to do audio his camera was engaged and audio was engaged the moment he pulled up and put his vehicle in the park i will show you that in a minute once again instigating the conversation and escalating it to something that it's not i am not blaming this poor girl I am not blaming this family, but this is not racism. This is, happens 10,000 times a day in the United States with no issues. And then there are, there are issues. We see it. But because it's a white cop and a black 
lady, there's a problem immediately. And when this video is showing this without seeing the other video, you're going to jump to conclusions. And I understand why. I'll show the next one in just a few minutes. I want to touch the rest of this. Once a suspect is apprehended, they're even letting the mom help and letting the lady wipe off the spittle on her face, try to give her some dignity, understanding that she's restrained now and she's not a threat to anybody. They did the right thing. And then the mother makes the biggest mistake she could make. She touches the handcuffs and she tries to get the cuffs loose on her daughter, probably because they were too tight. Folks, handcuffs are supposed to be tight. Otherwise, you can get out of them. I'm double jointed. I can literally bring my thumb completely over to the side of my wrist. I am one of the hardest people in the world to handcuff because I can collapse my hand. Do you see that? You put them on loose, I'll get out of them. Now, I'm not saying this lady has that, but the point is they're tight for a reason. They're to let you know that you're not getting these damn things off and they'll be loosened before she's put into the car. But while she's being walked to the vehicle, they most assuredly will be tight. Now, here's the incident. Mother's talking. Mother says loosen handcuffs and immediately touches the officer. And the moment that the officer on the right, the guy with the buzz cut, pushes her away, which he has every right to do because she's interfering with an arrest. What she's doing is breaking the law. She hits him. Watch. Right there. She came back and you heard it and she slapped him. And when she did that, she's now going to prison. And then the daughter comes in and tries to attack the officer. These are learned behaviors. Were they in any danger? No. They had three cops there. Notice there's an African-American police officer as well. Now, this man comes in, his hand is not on the trigger of the mace device. He is threatening, and he is showing that if you take a step further, you're going to be maced. The girl with the phone is actually one of the calmest persons there. She's saying, please stop. No, don't, sir, don't. People put their hands up. They know it's over. That should have been done immediately. The mother wasn't there. She never saw what happened. She doesn't understand what took place just 10 minutes prior where the officer showed the most compassion I've seen an officer and restraint before he had to take her down. That is the first weapon to be drawn. It's not... I think it's mace, pepper spray. It could be a taser. But up until this point, no weapons were used to restrain her except for an absolutely benign jiu-jitsu move that causes moderate pain that is not designed to hurt someone long-term, but let them know that you are under control and to gain elevation and position and weight distribution against that assailant, period. Everything at this point has been done by the book and she's been treated humanely. Mother is now arrested with daughter. Cussing ensues, screaming and yelling. The other lady, the white lady with the purse, tries to get involved. And then they are arrested. He took her because she Period. And that's about it. Now, the next video I'm going to show you is the one you haven't seen. This is the video that is not on the media right now. This is the video that is nowhere to be found, along with the police statement. All the articles on Google, pretty much every one of them, I would say 9 out of 10 articles, are African-American victim, 18-year-old, gets accosted by a police officer. More black violence from police officers. It is the most, I can't cuss because I promised my mother-in-law I wouldn't, but it is just a load of crap, folks. It is absolutely playing into this narrative. We'll talk about that in a minute. Here's the next video, and this will show you the police body cam perspective much different you okay what are you crying for 
Are you okay? What are you crying for? Police officers responding to a 911 call where a African-American girl was crying and trying to jump in front of vehicles. What is considered to be suicide or an attempted suicide? Here's the rest. Come talk to me. What's wrong? How come you're crying and you're barefoot? Listen to his questions. So take her mind off of it. He's very docile. He's not doing commands. He's walking on the side of her. He is being conscientious of her positioning against his body. He is not invading her space. He is asking her simple questions to show a few things. That cognitively that she is all there, that she is not there to hurt him or herself, and he is checking these things to ensure his safety and hers. She fails these. She continues to walk away and avoid the conversation, simply turning around and say, I got mad at a car that drove by. I walked in the street and I yelled and screamed. It's over. I'm sorry. I'm crying because it shook me up. I just want to go to my house. Would you escort me in case they come back? End of story. Situation taken care of. They would have evaluated her, but she is not in the right state of mind. Hence why she was on now a psychiatric hold based on this. Where do you live at? What What's your address? 55, so I'm out at Rambling and Rustic with that female. What's your address? Just to talk to you and make sure you're okay. I'm okay. Okay, well here, hang on. Just slow down and talk to me, okay? Just slow down and talk to me. Hand on the shoulder, doesn't try to grab her hands, doesn't do anything, wants to get her to turn around and look at him. Pretty simple, pretty standard. He wants to see the front of her. He wants to know she doesn't have a knife, doesn't have a gun, and he doesn't want to encroach upon taking her to the ground at this point. He hasn't made any commands. He's starting to. He's now saying, slow down. I need you to talk to me. I can't let you go. He doesn't know where she lives. People said, hey, why doesn't he walk her to her house? He doesn't know where, he li- where she lives at this point. doesn't know where she is at this point. doesn't know what's going to be waiting for. Maybe it's a volatile domestic situation. Maybe she was just sexually abused. Maybe her boyfriend's in there with a gun and he's beating somebody. We don't know. Or maybe nothing's happening and everybody's watching a TV show. But the police officer doesn't know that. And it's not his responsibility to take orders from her or what he thinks might happen. But he has to assess what's happening in the moment. At that point, she resists. He grabs her arm to let her know enough, and she continues to resist. Now she's resisting arrest. Period. You can't go walking off, okay? okay. I, I, you gotta stay right here, okay? Okay, why are you hurting me? Why are you hurting me? This is a pressure point where he has it as on the back of the elbow and also in the ditch of the arm. These are pressure points. These are where your ligaments are. The proper pressure points allows her not to pull away and he has a lock on her in those two spots. It doesn't hurt. It's uncomfortable, but it doesn't hurt. How old are you? I'm 18. You're 18? Where's your mom live? Can I call her? I don't want you to hurt me. Walk off. I'm not going to hurt you. By the way, everybody, welcome. We're doing a live show tonight. We're recording the whole thing. It will be live. I'm not answering any questions right now, but we are just going over the segment, and we're about 20 minutes in. So this is a arrest that happened in Texas that's becoming extremely inflammatory. I thought I would walk through both versions of it. He is about ready to take her down right now, and I wanted you to see the way that this officer treats her with humility and kindness, and she continues not to follow lawful commands. Okay, but you can't you can't walk off like that, okay? I don't want you to hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you, okay? I'm, okay, I'm here to make sure grass. you're okay. You can get in the grass. That's fine. So we got a call that you were jumping out in front of cars. No, so I, can't I, wasn't. Let, I can't let you go walking off on okay, me now, okay? Okay, can I go home? Well, where do you live? <laughs> okay, so you can't go anywhere, okay? You got to talk. Once again, he's still extremely calm, very laid back. Leroy just said, I hope she's okay. She is. She's under psychological evaluation. And because of the officer's actions, honestly, at this point, she wasn't hurt in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Let me call my sister. I don't want you to hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you, okay? Okay. Stop pulling away. I don't want you to hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you. 
Okay. Okay. I gotta put you in handcuffs, though. Stop pulling away. Stop pulling. Gives her a verbal command, stop pulling away. His voice is low, he's not escalated, and tells her, if you keep pulling away, I've got to put you in cuffs. He's almost begging her not to do this anymore. She is irrational. She is not in control. She is not lucid. She is not in the state of mind. She's hyperventilating. Her adrenaline's going a 1,000 miles an hour, and at any point, without searching her, he doesn't know whether she has a gun. He doesn't know if a boyfriend's going to drive up and start pulling bullets in the air. We don't know. You have to understand the volatility of this the volatility of this situation is laced in the unknown. It's not the variables that are known right now that she is an African American 18-year-old. It's the ones that could happen if he does not secure her and get her to stop, which is including grabbing his gun and shooting herself or running into the street and getting hit by a car or having a heart attack. Whatever it may be, his job is to protect and to serve, and he most assuredly does that. If your mind hasn't changed yet, nothing will. This wasn't racial profiling. This wasn't a man usurping power. He was simply doing his job. Okay. No, you're hurting me already. You're hurting me already. You're hurting me. No, better. The police. Puts his arm behind her back. He's not extremely far behind her back. He then tries to put his hand in the middle of her back and he's going to try to ease her to the ground. At that point, she continues to struggle, continues to resist, and his camera gets knocked off. Just sit down. Sit down, okay? Sit down, okay? Sit down, okay? Sit down, sit down, sit down. I got it. And this is where it picks up. You hear the mother. You hear everything. The, the camera is on the grass, the body cam. He picks it up in lieu of this. And you get to start seeing from calm his down. perspective through his eyes. Calm down, Caillou. Just calm down. Everything's okay. Watch when he picks up this camera and see from his perspective what he's facing. Still has not checked anyone for weapons. Has done nothing to secure the area. He doesn't have his backup. He has a supervisor there. Just arrived. Look, look how close they are to him. He's trying to do his job. He's got two in front of him and he has one lady on the other end and then one recording down over here on the other side of the officer. Imagine yourself in that situation. You don't know what to think. You don't know what's going on. He still remained professional and courteous and kind and used the least amount of force possible to restrain her. All right, we're going to get to the slapping incident and then we're going to sum it up. Let go of her. Let go of her. See that? So she comes in and reaches for the cuffs and when she comes up, she slaps him. Whether it was intentional or not, it is immaterial. The point is, is that she did. There you go. I'll try to frame by frame it. There's her hand reaching in. Let go of her. Let go of her. The camera falls yet again. An extremely tense situation. Something that obviously emotions are high. This happens tens of thousands of times a day. This isn't something that is absolutely rare. What is rare is the fact of the situation and the circumstances that it's a white officer with an African-American female who's 18 years old, who is distressed, whose mother is involved, and it's tragic. It's painful to watch. If my daughter was there, I would be from afar, Hayden, calm down, Hayden, Listen to the officer calm down. I would not escalate. I would not raise it. I would tell her to comply. But here's the thing that I know. My daughter wouldn't fight. My daughter knows that she has to listen to the police, right or wrong. 
No matter if she's guilty or innocent, it does not matter. That is not the time to litigate the case. You will have your chance in court. Now is not the time. And everything you do to resist continues to stack up against you in the court of law. Here's the thing. This young lady won't be brought up on charges. The hit won't be brought up. These officers don't want to hurt the mother. They don't want to hurt the daughter. But they were given no choice once that mother struck that officer. And I will be honest, she probably would have put in temporary psychiatric care for an evaluation. They would have explained to the mother they will give her a ride down to the station, given her the information, the business card of the psychologist she's going to see. All this, they would have taken care of the situation, but it was escalated. Teach our children. Explain to them the importance of complying with officers, and it is not the time to resist. I want to read the sheriff's statement, and then we will move on to next. The sheriff said, in response to the incident on July 27th, one second. I got to expand the window. This is the problem with live. In response to the incident on July 27th, 2021, between Kaufman County Sheriff's Deputy Martin and an 18-year-old female in Forney, Texas, we received multiple calls about a female attempting suicide by jumping into oncoming traffic. Deputy Martin quickly located the female in an effort to prevent the female from running into traffic or sustaining injury. Deputy Martin executed a control technique taught by Kaufman County Sheriff's. This is the first time I've heard this. A top mount is commonly used in jiu-jitsu and allows the deputy to control the lower body without impeding breathing and prevents injury to both parties. While gaining control of the female, Deputy Martin's body-worn camera was dislodged from the holder and fell to the ground. You saw that little star... That's his camera holder that fits and clips on into his shirt. Those damn things fall off. Anyone who snowboards knows that, unless you have it on your helmet. Several family members arrived and came to the location, unaware of the female attempts to harm herself. As the video clearly depicts, the family encircled Deputy Martin, screaming and threatening him. The covered deputy arrived and assisted with handcuffing the female and helping her stand as the other deputies arrived. As deputies escorted the female to a patrol unit, her mother and Tanik and a Tanaqua Ray, I'm sorry, I don't know her name, walked beside them, insisting the handcuffs be loosened. Miss Ray pulled at the female's arm in response. Deputy Martin told her not to touch the female. Miss Ray struck Deputy Martin, at which he took her into custody. The female was transported to a mental health facility. Mrs. Ray was transported to Kaufman County Jail. The charges will be filed with the Kaufman County District Attorney's Office. In accordance with Kaufman County Sheriff's Office policy, Deputy Martin has been placed on administrative leave pending an internal affairs investigation. The Kaufman County Sheriff's Office remains committed to transparency and cooperation with our community uh and that's pretty much it here's the thing this is completely being blown out of proportion in no way shape or form was this racist was there any other motivation than to help this girl in any way they could there was not a use of deadly force there wasn't even a massive amount of physical force. Nobody was pepper sprayed and everything was handled in the way it should have been. And the reason I know that is because we have heard this with every single major case of police brutality or the accusation of cops killing black youth that what if they just would have de-escalated? What if they would have used techniques to restrain? What if they would have just used pepper spray alone? This officer did all of that and still we're calling him racist, asking for his head, and we're going to sue the department. It has to stop somewhere. Finding himself at a turning point. Did you say, hey, Blinken? Abraham Lincoln found himself at a turning point early June 1963. President Lincoln faced a dire situation. He had been president for two and a half years and was reviled by most. A civil war had divided the country between North and South, and the Union Army had just lost two major battles. People from his own party were attacking him for his compromising, indecisive attitude. Just three months later, public opinion shifted. The New York Times expressed gratitude that the nation was being led by a ruler who was so peculiarly adapted to the needs of the time as clear-headed, dispassionate, discreet, steadfast, and honest as Abraham Lincoln. His fortunes also shifted on the battlefield. His army celebrated two key victories at Vicksburg and Gettysburg, marking a turning point in the war. 
I heard all about it this weekend. It was fantastic. If you haven't gone to Gettysburg, do it. What shifted in the summer of 1863 by examining how Lincoln handled his pivotal time in civil war, we can learn how three points mentioned above can help create the future we aspire to. He took a new tone with his generals. Lincoln realized in early summer 1863 that he had two big challenges, reestablishing control over the army and recapturing public opinion. With this realization, Lincoln made some bold choices. First, he got rid of some old beliefs that no longer worked. And second, he started leading in a completely new way. In retrospect, we can see how these bold choices in the summer of 1863 helped him become one of the greatest leaders in the U.S. and and that the U.S. has ever known. The first set of beliefs Lincoln got rid of was about how he related to his generals. Up until then, Lincoln believed that, as a civil leader, he should leave the running of the army to his generals. And that's how the game had always been played. Instead of giving his generals firm orders, Lincoln gave them only timid suggestions, which they in turn mostly ignored. Lincoln's secretary, John Nicolay, despondently noted that the president habitually gave in to one general's whims and complaints and shortcomings as a mother would indulge her baby. After many frustrating exchanges with a string of ineffective generals, Lincoln gave up his submissive style in favor of a more assertive tone. In the summer of 1863, he issued a series of direct instructions to his generals. Rather than nudging them, he left no doubt any longer as to who was in charge. To General Joseph Hooker, who had repeatedly defied his suggestions, he wrote, To remove all misunderstanding, I now place you in the strict military relation to General Halleck, of a commander of one of the armies to the general-in-chief of all the armies. I have not intended differently, but as it seems to be differently understood, I shall direct him to give you orders and you to obey them. Soon after Lincoln's change in the leadership style, the Union Army booked a series of victories, notably at Vicksburg and Gettysburg, as I alluded to earlier. Instead of waiting for the perfect time, the Union Army was now moving proactively following Lincoln's orders. Winning over the public from the start of his presidency right up until his death was his next step. Lincoln's unwavering vision was clear, preserving the Union. He also made some statements. And these statements have been actually ridiculed as that he was a proponent of slavery. And paraphrasing, he basically said, if I could preserve the Union and release all the slaves, I would. If I could preserve the Union and hold all the slaves, I would. If I could preserve the Union and keep half of the slaves, I would. What he was saying was anything to preserve the Union. And unfortunately, that is being said that no matter what he did, he believed in slavery. No, he understood no matter what he did, there would be loss of American lives. Whether he kept the slaves, abolished slavery, or went ahead and made a compromise to keep half, people would lose lives. His job was to preserve the Union. That is his job as commander-in-chief after all. This challenge that he faced was this public exasperation and impatient with the war and the administration that took place. His second shift came in how he related to the people. Once elected, presidents of his time had little direct contact with the public. Their job was to run the government and share their wishes with Congress. They would rarely leave the Capitol, except for vacations. In the summer of 1863, Lincoln broke with tradition and stepped out of his social prison prison of the White House, learning from the success of his recent letter-writing campaign to enlist the support of the British public for the Union. Lincoln implemented a successful public letter-writing campaign in his own country. 500,000 copies of one of his letters alone were in circulation and were repeatedly read by at least 10 million people. Lincoln's public outreach was effective and helped him keep significant public support during the remainder of his presidency from 1863 until his unfortunate assassination in 1865. The president had decisively left behind the conventions of the past and created a new relationship with both the military and the general public. To succeed in creating the future, we must also excel in letting go of the past, selectively forgetting practices and attitudes that stand in the way of the new future. How do we know what to cut? It's important to distinguish between our roots and the beliefs we can get rid of. If we cut a tree's roots, the tree dies. Roots, like dedication to core purposes and vision, have timeless value and leaders need to preserve and nourish them. But every person and organization also has outdated beliefs. If we do not break loose from these beliefs, we will become entangled in them and are unlikely to get to the future we so desire. Hence the amendments. Hence us making changes to the legislation and the Constitution 
this living, breathing document, we learn, as Lincoln learned, he most assuredly was not a racist. He was an avid learner. And yes, it took him longer, and it took a lot of people longer to get to that point. But the point is, we were the first major country in the world to abolish slavery. That has to say something. Historians are fond of saying that Lincoln grew in the presidency, and so am I. Perhaps that's so, but it taught him the value of all Americans, even those degraded by slavery and whose lives had been circumscribed by discrimination. He had recognized their right to benefit from their own labor early on, and that's really what the Civil War was fought over, was free labor versus paid labor. Perhaps the war taught him that the ability of a man or woman to eat the bread he earned was only part of what made Americans strong. Perhaps he was beginning to understand that freedom, without the protections afforded by a political voice, made the idea of American liberty a hollow promise. It is unwise to speculate about how far and how fast he might have been willing to travel along this road of racial equality had he lived. But we can be assured that men and women who stood to be the beneficiaries of the equality would have been a constant reminder to him and his nation's obligations to them. Remember, the conservatives or Republicans, a lot of people say they aren't the same Republican Party. Nothing's the same as it was back then. Of course not. But he still was party of Lincoln, was Republican. And the point being is that at all times, we were ahead of the South and what was known as the Democratic Party. Or you can say the Federalists or Anti-Federalists. You can put whatever moniker you want on it. You can change names, but you cannot change the scars of the past and the history. The point is, Abraham Lincoln was most assuredly not a racist, even though he made decisions that could be considered thus. The sign of the times were all about growing, learning, understanding, and adapting, and be a living and breathing entity, just like our Constitution and the young America that we are, we will be, and what we have become. Good, bad, and indifferent, nothing will ever change. The left and the right view America and its history very differently. Conservatives view America as President Abraham Lincoln viewed it, as the last best hope of Earth, while acknowledging America's flaws. Conservatives regard America as the best society ever created, giving more people of more backgrounds, more freedom, more opportunity, and more affluence than any other in society, and doing more good for more people in other countries than any society in history. Now, you'll hear something opposite from the left. On the other hand, they see America as having been and continuing to be a very flawed country, morally no better than many and morally inferior to many. The left's view is that America was founded by rich white males who were intent on protecting their race, their wealth, and in many cases, their slaves. America was and remains sexist and intolerant and xenophobic and bigoted, a country of unacceptable material inequality, where the super rich and big corporations have far too much power and influence. The further left one goes, the more negative the assessment of America is. And here's a real telling example. America has probably more bad than good. This was a common trope that was said over the last 10 years in regards to the national anthem, the Constitution, our founding fathers, statues, yada, 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 all American history, that we have done more bad than good. For the left, the moral flaws in American history are enormous. But all the unique good America has done, both in America and abroad, is minimized or ignored. Why? Take the example of slavery. This terrible institution is the most widely cited proof of American evil. The problem with that judgment, however, is that every civilization in world history, even including African societies, practice slavery, often on a far larger scale than America did. And it doesn't make it right. It just makes it true. But there are two other questions about slavery that must be asked in order to make a moral judgment about America. The first is, which societies were the first to abolish slavery? And since all societies had slavery, that is a far more important question to ask than who had slaves. It turns out that all societies that first abolished slavery were rooted in the Jewish and Christian Bibles, and among them was the United States as the leader second question that needs to be answered is this, was America morally better than other societies in just about every other regard? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes. America gradually became the least racist, least xenophobic country in the world. 
In no country do people of every race and ethnicity become accepted as full members of the society as they do as immigrants to America. And no country in history has fought for the liberty of others as much as America has. And before you start talking about illegal immigrants, the key word is illegal. We are a nation of laws. Follow our laws. But America has done more harm than good. That is why, for example, 37,000 Americans died in Korea, a country that offered America no economic gain. There was no benefit for getting into Korea. The purpose was to protect Koreans from communist tyranny. Today, South Korea, where American troops are still stationed, is one of the wealthiest and freest countries in Asia. Meanwhile, North Korea, the part of the Korean peninsula that America did not succeed in liberating, is the least free and poorest country on earth, and its infrastructure is a travesty. Without America, people around the world suffer from far more tyranny, enslavement, and genocide. The countries where American troops have remained long after ceased its combat has ceased. Germany, Japan, and South Korea have prospered economically and morally. Countries that America abandoned, such as Vietnam and Iraq, experience mass murder and other horrors. The left, however, views nearly all of America's wars since 1945 as expressions of superpower imperialism. Days before the 2008 American presidential election, the Democratic candidate, then-Senator Barack Obama, announced, We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Exactly so. The left wants to fundamentally transform America. The right doesn't. Conservatives want to conserve America's unique greatness and improve it where necessary, but not transform it. If America is fundamentally transformed, it will not become better than other nations. It will become like other nations, which will be the loss of our democracy and something that we should all covet and protect with every ounce of our souls, our blood, our sweat, and our tears. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you for stopping by. We lost a few people along the way, but that is a successful live show. I will call it a win. I appreciate you stopping by, and I would also appreciate if you're aware of the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. America, United States, our veterans need your help. 22 veterans commit suicide a day from anxiety, depression, traumatic brain injury, PTS. These are all things that are curable if we simply start with conversation. The Veteran Crisis Hotline is dedicated to helping troops. All you need to do is make a call. All you need to do is give them this number. If they won't call, veterans have a hard time talking about it sometimes, reach out to me. I will make that call with them. And if that doesn't work, you can send them to don'tunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link and you'll be connected to a Skype operator. It's worth it. Please make the call. And if you are a civilian, you're not a veteran, they'll never turn anyone away. They are there to help. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Tomorrow, episode 200. I don't know if I'm going to get to it. It's going to be a long Wednesday, and I'm going to write a a longer show. This one wound up being close to an hour and 31, but we were live for a long time. Please do me a favor. Like, share, and subscribe. Alex just said, I will definitely share. Please do so. Go into the like, the follow. Make sure you give me that. That helps keep the lights on. God bless everybody. Let's have a conversation. Let's make it real. Let's stop not listening to each other, and let's begin the real conversation of allowing each other to have opinions that we don't like. Folks, thank you very much, and I will see you tomorrow.